Today in our Gospel reading, we hear about this experience that Peter, James, and John had of the transfiguration. And as, as I was hearing this reading, I kind of heard it in a little different way. And what I was hearing was Peter, James, and John went into the living room, turned on the television, which lit up the living room with light, and out came CBS, NBC, whatever the news channel, saying, listen to us, we are the truth. (laughs) We today are hearing all kinds of stuff on the news. And it's important to measure and discern what we hear, like what we read in the World Herald, what we hear on the news, what we watch on TV. We spend a lot of time getting a lot of information from television, the newspaper, magazines, books, opinions, blogs, websites. It's important to have something to measure what we hear and see with. We have to measure that against a standard. We can't just take what we hear and make that the standard, but we have to discern and measure what we're hearing against some standard. And the standard we measure, everything we hear from as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as Catholics, is we measure what we hear from the TV, newspapers, etc. We measure it from the Word of God. We use the catechism and we use the Scriptures to measure what we hear so that we have something to discern and decide whether we're going to allow this to come into our hearts or we're going to close the door and reject it. And so Jesus today said to Peter, James, and John, come with me. And so they go up on this high mountain. So where do you and I hear the Word of God? This is what prayer is. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John and said, let's go up the mountain, Mount Tabor. And they went up on this mountain. And on this mountain, they began to pray. They began to experience something more than this world. They began to experience the divine. They were introduced and invited into the mystery of the mystical life which every believer here is called into. And so, Jesus takes him on the mountaintop to pray, to kind of get him out of the smog of society. You know, the smog settles in the city, right? And there's, it's stinky, it's thick, it causes you to be blind, it can't breathe well. Jesus is like, let's get out of this. Let's go up on the mountain and pray. So when you and I come to Mass, like you are here, when you choose to pray, you're choosing to go up on that high mountain. And it's through that experience of prayer that we start to encounter God. We start to experience the Word of God. We start to hear the Word of God. Because a huge part of prayer is listening. Lord, what are you saying? You know, this is what the TV says. This is what the newspaper says. This is what my cousin says. This is what my aunt says. This is what my uncle says. This is what my boss says. Lord, what do you say? It's pretty important to know what God says. And so, in this experience of Peter, James, and John, they're up on this mountain, and they're so excited. Peter, Peter you know, says to Jesus, Lord, it's good we're here. Let's build some tents. Let's one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you know, us. And, and, and then it says, a cloud cast a shadow over them. You know, you know, at Mass, 
and it adoration. Sometimes we use incense. Incense is basically a call for us to realize there's something more happening at this altar than what you see. When you're in prayer, there's more happening than you see. In the church, there's everyone here has a guardian angel. There's angels here worshiping with us. There's saints here worshiping with us. Our Blessed Virgin Mother is here with us. When I hold up that piece of bread and that chalice and say, this is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. You see with your natural eyes a piece of bread and, and a cup of a chalice of wine. But we know that through faith something's happening behind the veil of the material world. There's not just a material world. There's a spiritual world. Just like you have a body that's material, you also have a soul that's immaterial. We have a body and a soul. So our bodies in our natural eyes see bread and wine. But your soul, through the gift of faith, opens your eyes and invites you into the sacred mystery. So when we're using incense at adoration or the mass, the, 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 the smoke is kind of like portraying the, the, the reality, which is, it's hard to kind of quite see with our natural eyes, but if we go deeper, if we allow the Lord to take us up that mountain and surrender like a little child, unless we turn and become like children, we can't enter the kingdom of God. And so you here, you approach the church with a disposition of faith. You're not here because you want to see things. You're here because your soul brought you here. Your soul and my soul realize that there's more to life than what we see. And like Peter, James, and John, they wanted to stay on the mountain. Why is it that we want to stay on the mountain? Have you all had experiences in prayer where you feel peace? You kind of feel like, I want to replicate this tomorrow. So how did I do this? How did I get so much peace? How did I, how did I connect with God? So I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow. And we do the same thing tomorrow, and the same thing doesn't happen. We don't feel that same peace. So it's basically God's way of saying, I'm the giver of peace. I'm in control. I'm with you. Even when you don't feel that peace, I'm with you. And so, as we come to the Mass, we come up that mountain of prayer, and each of us are asked to look beyond the veil, to stretch your heart and mind, to see this is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And so at every time we come to Mass, we're experiencing prayer. And we don't pray alone, we're praying together here. So, they wanted to build tents and stay on the mountain because they were experiencing a little taste of heaven, okay? Some consolation. And then what happens? A voice from the cloud comes. And this voice says, this is my beloved Son, Listen to Him. Now, now, Peter, James, and John have something to measure against what they're hearing from the general populace. 
Because soon and very soon, Peter, James, and John are coming down the mountain with Jesus and going into Jerusalem where the Jews, the nation of Israel, will say a lot of things about Jesus and His followers. But because they prayed and they have an anchor, they have truth, they have the Word of God to stand on, when they're in that storm and people are screaming on Calvary and gambling Jesus' clothes and laughing at Him and mocking Him, oh, if you're God, come off the cross. When all of this noise is going on and there's this attack on Jesus and His followers, they go back to what they heard on the mountain. And they have peace in the midst of the storm. When we don't pray, we don't have anything to measure against what we hear out in the world. And we start to believe what we hear in the world. And that creates fear and anxiety. And it creates a lot of problems in families, in marriages, in the schools, in the marketplace, wherever it be. And Jesus is like, you listen to all that out there. Take some time during your week to come and visit me. Right here. He doesn't have a TV in there. He don't have any magazines or books in there. He doesn't have the internet in there. Or an iPod or a cell phone or whatever. What he has in there is love. And as we heard in our opening song, He waits like a lover for each one of us to come up that mountain of prayer and to hear those words from our dad, our spiritual father, our Abba, our God. This, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. And so, as we are listening a lot of things on TV about the church and about the followers of Jesus and about you know, what the church says and what it doesn't say, I would just suggest that, as, as many of you hopefully know, the Lord's saying, come into prayer and listen to me. Let me be your giver of truth. Let me be the one to instruct you and help you in your life. Let me lead you. And we hear... In our first reading, God put Abraham to the test. What I'd like to suggest right now is God's putting His church to the test. The church must imitate her love. If we're going to follow Jesus, we will be persecuted and we will in some form or way, be crucified. There's no way of saying, I'm going to follow Jesus and put the cross over here. That doesn't work. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. So, Abraham was tested. And now it's saying, I suggest the church is being tested right now. Abraham was tested. Now, you've got to know a little history here. Before Abraham was asked to give up Isaac, his only son, who would continue the blessing of his family, 
in time to many nations. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. So Sarah said to Abraham, why don't you go with Hagar and have a child so that we could at least have a child to continue the blessing of our progeny, the blessing of our family. And so instead of trusting God, what did they do? Abraham went off to to Hagar, had Ishmael. But then eventually God said to Sarah and Abraham, I'll give you a child. And God blessed Abraham with Isaac. Isaac was a gift, a miraculous gift to Sarah and Abraham from God. It was a miracle. They're 100 years old or 99 and she's having a baby. That's miraculous, okay? She's having a baby. It's a miracle. Now, God's asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. And Abraham's probably like, I am so confused. I'm so confused. You, I couldn't have a child, and you asked me to, to continue the blessing of my family so that nations could be blessed, that the people of Israel could be blessed. And now you're asking me to take the child you gave me and sacrifice the child you gave me. And so Abraham's confused. God's testing Abraham. He's testing Abraham's faith. He's testing him. So what do you love most? Are you willing to give that up to follow God? What do you love most? And I'd probably suggest it's probably I love myself. (laughs) Hopefully we love ourselves because if we don't love ourselves, we can't love anyone else. So the most precious treasure you have is yourself. Abraham received his only begotten son from God. You've been given the gift of your life. You are sons and daughters of God. But are you willing and am I willing to lay down my life to follow Jesus? Am I willing to pay the price of following the Lord? To lay down my reputation, to lay down my life, to lay down and give it all to God. In a bit you're going to hear me say, this is my body given up for you. Being a follower of Jesus is about giving up What's most precious to us? Why? Why is that? Why is it that I'm asked to give up what's most precious to me? That's what God's testing you right now. He's testing His church right now. All this storm, this this persecution, all this stuff we're experiencing. It's a test. Are you willing to give up your life to follow Jesus? Now, Abraham did not give up Isaac because he understood what God was doing. He was actually confused. You just gave me a son, now you're asking me to give my son up to sacrifice. I don't get it, God. Tell me, what's going on here? See, what God's saying is, you believe and then you will see the blessing. And then once the blessing comes, you'll start to understand my plan for your life. We don't follow Jesus and the teachings of the church because we first understand them. We follow the teachings of our church and the Lord's teachings through His church because we don't understand, but we do it because we believe. And once you believe, you start to experience the blessing that comes with following the Lord. I always say it's putting feet to your faith. 
not just coming to church, not just praying, but you start to live out of the grace. You put feet to your faith. You walk in what you believe. And when you walk in what you believe, God blesses you. And when you're blessed, you start to understand. We live in a world that wants to understand before they believe. That's not risky. We live in a world that says, you know, I'll let you love me, but I'm first going to like wait and, let, and test this out and to really be, we're afraid. We're afraid to take a risk and give ourselves to God. And so what does God say? To Abraham, He says, because you acted as you did, not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly. All this because you obeyed my command. If you want to experience the supernatural, if you and I want that supernatural encounter with God every day, if we want to experience the mystical life, we have to be willing to lay down our life and follow the Lord even when it doesn't make sense. As long as He's saying it, I'm going to do it. And when I do that, I experience the blessing. And with the blessing comes an understanding. But you can't have the understanding until you first lay your life down and believe in what He asks us to believe. And so... This message today is a call to be obedient to Christ and His church. Even when it's hard and it doesn't make sense and you don't understand it. Because it's then that you see the fruits that come with obedience. And right in the middle of the word obedience, O-B-D-I-E, die. <laughs> in the word obedience is the word die. You gotta, we have to die to ourselves to be obedient to God and His Word, just like Abraham. But when we die to ourselves and be obedient to His Word rather than our own opinions, our own ideas, you know, NBC, CBS, whatever the news channel be or the magazine or the newspaper, those words, if we die to those words and believe those words, those words aren't life-giving. Those words don't come from God. God's Word is what gives spirit and life. And as we read in our psalm, I, walk, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. My vows to the Lord I will pay. I believe, even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of His faithful ones. If God is for us, Paul says, who can be against us? So, as we hear this message of obedience, this call to lay down our lives, our ideas in Genesis, and follow Him so that He can bless us, what I'd like to encourage you to think about as we continue then is, what are you holding back from God? What are we holding back? Where are you holding back forgiveness? Where are you holding back a kind word? Where are you holding back in your relationships, in your marriages, in your families? Where are you holding back? in your prayer life. Because that's where God's calling you to go. So that He can live the Eucharist through you. That you can lay your life down for that other. Because usually where we're holding back is because we're afraid to die. And we're afraid to die because we really don't believe in His promise. 
that's Good Friday. There is, a, there is a resurrection. For those willing to go there, they will experience new life in the resurrection. If we don't believe in the resurrection, we're going to hold everything back. And this goes on and on. If you look at our culture, this is the theme. We hold back our lives. I'm not going to lay my life down for, for the baby in the womb or, or, or to my spouse because I don't want to do that because if I do that, that means that i got to die. This is a hard message. It's a message of self-sacrifice in the name of God so that souls can live and people can live. You know, and just to close, you know, last week I preached on contraception, sterilization, and abortion. I've had more compliments from the men. Um, I preach a lot, and usually, you know, I get a lot of people say, oh, nice homily, nice... But it was a hard message I preached, but you know what? I heard a lot of compliments because I think it really got to the heart of it requires a real sacrifice to lay our lives down for each other in marriage and family in the world. And if I spend myself giving myself, that's where I'll find happiness and fulfillment and peace. Not protecting myself. Then we won't love anybody. But if I'm willing to take the risk of living the Eucharist, I'll find happiness and fulfillment. Because that's how God made me. God made me and you to give ourselves away. So we pray as we continue Lent. Think about that question. What am I holding back? from my husband, my wife, my kids? What am I holding back from God? Maybe my sins, I'm holding them back because I don't believe He can take them. What are you holding back?